Welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. My name is Tim Alford. I'm part of the Limitless team, and I'll be your host for today's conversation. Uh, It's with Dot Tyler. It's on youth ministry and the climate crisis. But just before we get into that, I wanted to let you know about a couple of things that we've created to help you in your youth ministry. Uh, Firstly, I've got a new book out. It's called Leadership 101, your go-to guide for leading youth and children's ministries into a brighter future. It's created to take a holistic look at at your leadership, at self-leadership, culture and team building and vision and strategy and since the last podcast we've released a brand new leadership 101 video teaching series you can gather around that with your whole volunteer team to get some input together or just use it personally as an investment in your own leadership so if that's helpful to you the book is available wherever you get books (laughs) and the video series over at youtube.com forward slash limitless elim And if you are listening to this before the 6th of August 2021, then there's still time for you to get your youth group signed up for Limitless Festival, Gather, Pray, Go, together locally and online nationally. The idea is that on the 6th and the 7th of August, we're going to be hosting some live online sessions to help you gather together locally. And we've created a resource of 75 creative ideas to help you gather, pray and go locally. All of the information about that is over at limitlessfestival.co.uk. But I'm just super pumped to think about what God might do through hundreds of youth groups, maybe thousands of young people all over the country going out into their own communities through mission and social action all at the same time. I imagine there's going to be some incredible stories of what God does in and through the lives of young people. So limitlessfestival.co.uk is the place to get all of the program, the free resource and to get your youth group booked in. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get into this fascinating conversation with Dot Tyler. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. And it's going to be a really interesting one today because we are talking about youth ministry and the climate crisis. Now, the climate crisis has kind of taken center stage in recent years, uh, particularly in youth culture. We, we, we've seen, haven't we, uh, over uh, the, the years just gone by, we've seen um, international grassroots movements spring up, whether it's Instinction Rebellion or we've seen the school strike for climate, uh, which grew to, to millions of young people protesting globally, all led by Gen Zers like Greta Thunberg and, and Anna Taylor. Uh, and... You know, even in recent days, uh, I've been reading about young people who are trying to take governments to court because of their apparent lack of uh, action uh, around the climate crisis. So the climate crisis is kind of a big deal. It's uh, primarily a big deal for the world. Uh, It's a big deal in politics. And as we shall see in this discussion, it really is a big deal for young people. So... 
with that in mind, how do we as the church and how do we as youth leaders in particular respond to the climate crisis? Well, who better to ask that question to than the head of youth and emerging generations at Tear Fund and all round great human being, Dot Tyler. <laughs> Dot, oh, welcome goodness. to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. What a treat to be here. Also, that feels very embarrassing and I'm blushing. <laughs> oh, uh, never a truer word spoken though, Dot. Um, <laughs> so, so Dot, for those who don't know you, why don't you just tell us a little about yourself, uh, your family, uh, your your journey in youth ministry and and how it is that you came to be such a passionate advocate for um, justice issues. Hmm. Oh well, I am speaking to you today from Cardiff, where I live with my family. I've got two young boys uh, under the age of five, so um, not a lot of sleep happens in my house. This is a lesson in sleep deprivation, but also a lot of joy. So that's good. <laughs> um, I became a Christian when I was 16 to, um, in a context where my family are not Christians yet, but um, my friend at school kept inviting me to church. So if you've got young people in your youth group that are inviting their friends to church and they never, ever say yes, please can I be a lesson in perseverance? Because eventually <laughs> I said yes um, and went to church and heard the message of the gospel that that my sins could be forgiven, that I could have eternal life in heaven. And I was like, yes, sign me up immediately. What other answer is there? Um, but it wasn't, to, I mean, it wasn't until I was 22 that really justice ever entered my conversation with Jesus. This is so embarrassing, right? I worked for Tear Fund. And yet, when I, in my early years of being a Christian, when somebody would talk about justice, I would shut my notebook and shut my Bible. So like, wow. Oh, secondary. It's not as important. And I remember being 22 and just going, oh, my days, what am I doing? And somebody basically said to me, Dot, you're making Jesus smaller than he is. Wow. By not incorporating justice and creation and environment into your faith, into your understanding of who Jesus is, you've made him small. And there in that moment, age 22, I... I wanted to give my life to serving young people so that no other young people, no other generation would grow up and make Jesus small. So that's me. That's why I really care. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So good. And I love that story. Your friend just kept nagging. <laughs> the persistent widow kept knocking and and look at the, the, the fruit of that perseverance. So that you're right. Absolutely. That is such a great lesson. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so, Dot, so for those of us who've maybe been um, hibernating uh, for the last few years, um, what is the climate crisis and why is it such a big deal for our world? Why does it require action and why does it require action now? Great question. The climate crisis is, um, it is big and it can feel really complicated. And over recent years, I think... The climate crisis has been about polar bears and seas and animals, um, which is absolutely right. So the way we are treating our planet, the way we are consuming the stuff that we're putting into the atmosphere is so harmful to our planet. Um, the reason why, um, for me, I'm particularly passionate about this, and I think Christians are starting to speak up in a big way about this is also because climate the climate crisis impacts people living in poverty first and worst mm. so people like jesse who lives in malawi can no longer feed her children 
because of the impacts of the climate crisis. Floods are happening when they didn't before. Droughts are happening when they didn't before. The, the climate has always changed. God made this planet to, to adapt and change, but the, the, I guess, consequence of our actions means it's changing at a pace that makes life difficult, hard, near impossible for some communities around the world. Yeah, and and you're right. Often we don't think about the human impact mm. of the climate crisis. We, we 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 think about the impact, you know, on on the planet, um, mm. uh, upon upon nature, you know, even even the animal kingdom. I guess before we, you know, we, species going extinct and so forth. The, we think about it with the on the on the oceans and, yeah. uh, you know dumping plastic into the oceans you know uh, i when i think of the climate crisis like you've pointed out i often think of those things before i think about the humid impact and and the impact on 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 the poorest in our world and that's just such an important thing to consider isn't it as people who are followers of jesus who are charged with the mandate to think first of the poor Mm -hmm. well how we treat our world impacts how we treat how we treat the most impoverished people uh, in our world. So such such a salient point. Um, and, and, and to that point, Dot, you, you with, with Tier Fund in partnership with Uscape, uh, you recently published a survey, uh, a study called "Burning Down the House," and it was about uh, exploring the perspectives of Christian young people on the climate crisis and how the climate crisis intersects with the life and the ministry of the church. Really interesting study, but what was the motivation for, for uh, I guess, surveying young people in particular about their thinking around the climate crisis and the church? Uh, well, as a youth worker, I always want to hear the voices of young people. So <laughs> I guess there was a bit of um, curiosity in me, um, and that was really sparked... Um, summer 2019, when at a few Christian events, um, young people would come to me and ask for prayer and they'd say, Dot, I'm really struggling to find myself at home in the church because my church doesn't talk about environment, doesn't talk about creation. Well, And I think there's just something in you that goes, when it's one or two, you can just go, ah, that's unusual. Maybe that's like the Lord's put a prophetic thing just on you personally for that. But when there's there becomes like this sort of snowball effect of more and more young people. I was like, oh, is this more? Is this, you know, like the Wilberforce generation and you saw the image of God in a heartbeat of a generation to say, we will no longer accept slavery. Mm. Or the Martin Luther King generation, similarly with civil rights for all. It's the image of God in the heartbeat of a generation. And I was like, what if? What if the image of God in the heartbeat of this generation is to remind the church of our biblical call to care for creation. Mm. So we did we did some research and found out, <laughs> or did our yeah. best to find out. <laughs> well, so go on, go on then, Doc. Give us give us the headlines. What were some of the what were some of the key findings that that you drew out of the research? Hmm. So we researched um, hundreds of young people. They were young uh, people in the UK, um, aged fourteen to twenty four. And the top three things we found out is number one, this is not them trying to be trendy. They are moved by faith. 
to care about the climate. That's really interesting. Uh, I, I, sorry to interrupt. No, and I, no. I know you said there's three things, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point because I think maybe sometimes um, perhaps the more cynical amongst us mm-hmm. might say, ah, you're just jumping on a bandwagon. Yeah. You know, there's a movement. It feels good to be part of something. There's an excuse to go out of school and protest. And who doesn't want to go out of school? You don't really care about it. You're just kind of, you know, going with the flow because everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be the kind of cynical view. But what what you found is that no, it's not. It's not surface level. It's not going with the flow. It's it's actually something that you know majoritively young people do really feel concerned about and yeah. and passionate about and and want to make a want to make a difference absolutely and um within the research we did focus groups where we could hear a bit more of what young people were thinking and how they were thinking about this and the thing that became very evident is that they are biblically articulate about their care so they quoted things like psalm 24 the earth is the lord's and everything in it and their response to psalm 24 is therefore why do we treat it like we're treating the planet yeah one of them said and a direct quote this is god's world we're looking after we have a responsibility Mm. um but likewise which i think is so interesting because i mean we touched on this earlier um, another group spent a long time talking about where um, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? And he says, love God and love others. And young people are making the connection perhaps faster than different generations to say, we cannot possibly say we love God and treat the planet badly. Neither can we genuinely say we have loved others if my lifestyle has cost them their freedom, their livelihoods, their ability to feed their children. I was like, oh, my days, this this isn't, I've followed something on Instagram and I like it, so I'm going to do it. It's, I've bothered to find out what the Bible says. I love that. I find that so, so encouraging. And actually, you know, for, for me, biblically, it's almost like, it's almost bookended, this stuff, because you get, um, you get right at the start, you get God's commission Mm-hmm. to humanity to rule the world and take care for it, take care of it right mm-hmm. so right up front you get this um mandate from god to uh look after the world that he created and and i'm i'm giving you responsibility as humankind to do that and evidently you know we've neglected that responsibility but he gave it to us right up front, right there at the start, you know. But then at the end, I think, you know, and I've said this to you before, Dot, I really think our uh, eschatology, what we understand about end times as well, mm-hmm. is equally as important. Because if our if our understanding of um, of eternity is, well, you know, the world's all going, you know, it's all it's all going anyway, and we're going to live a disembodied kind of ethereal, um, you know, uh, soul kind of separate from body, uh, cloudy, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> floaty heaven. Yeah. Um, 
then, well, what does it matter? It's all, you know, it doesn't matter because the the world's all going and we're, you know, we'll be somewhere else. And, you know, the material that that kind of eschatology means that the the material and the physical doesn't matter. But if we have a a biblical view of eternity, which isn't a disembodied um, heaven, but a uh, heaven come uh, a a heaven and earth joining as one in the new creation we see the garden city jerusalem uh, the new jerusalem descending from heaven to earth and the renewal of all things and we see a we see a resurrection we will be it will be an embodied eternity well then what we do now really matters to uh to quote gladiator what we do in in life work echo in eternity right what we do now with our bodies what we do now with our world really does matter and really does carry forward because we believe not not in a disembodied heaven but in in an embodied new creation so uh, i think you know our theology is really important as we as we engage with this stuff what the the mandate that god gave us at the start and the future hope that we have at the end really shapes i think our understanding of uh, of this and how we should engage with it as the church do do, do you know what i'm saying there i love what you're saying tim because i think um there's also something in that um eden story where um i don't know about you but i think i grew up with kind of a um a compartmentalized faith where what I understood happened in the Garden of Eden was one sin. And that one sin was that we were separated from our relationship with God. But the way that Eden was created was in this beautiful interdimensional dance around a relationship with God, a relationship with planet, a relationship with others and a relationship with ourselves. You look at Adam and Eve and they have no shame. It's incredible. Mm. And when Jesus came back, it's almost as if we have developed a theology where he came back just for that, just for one of those, mm, just for yeah. one of those separations and one of those brokennesses. But actually what I read when I read the narrative of the Bible is that God is equally concerned about restoring that brokenness that happened in all of those other spaces. Yeah, that's so good because we, we read, don't we, about how creation aches mm-hmm. for Jesus' return. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's a really helpful thought. I, yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, Dot, I did interrupt, though. We kind of went off on a little <laughs> bit of a tangent there. A helpful tangent, hopefully. Uh, but tangent. Yeah, but the, we, we were talking about the headlines, weren't we? The, the, the yes. key findings that came from the research. So, so, that, so that was one that, that young people uh, uh, c- connect their um, yeah, passion for, for climate the climate crisis with, with their, their faith and with scripture. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah. What else was there? Um, the second one is that they um, both feel and experience a gap between their passion for creation and climate and what happens in the church, in their mm. everyday experience of church. And then the third one um, was so clearly quite an urging plea for please lead. Please would you, as youth leaders, church leaders lead, but also please would you help us lead in this area wow okay okay so so to to that to that second point that uh, kind of disconnect between uh, their passion and 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 what they see or perceive uh, as the church's engagement with this issue uh, the i guess the key stat that came out of that dot was that 9 out of 10 young people care 
about the climate crisis. But in contrast, only one in 10 believe that their churches are doing enough. And that's quite a significant disconnect and and quite a a shocking stat in that way that came from the research. And so I guess, you know, the question I want to ask you, Dot, is we understand that what we don't want to do here with this conversation is we don't want to burden youth leaders and, and, and pastors with here's another thing you must do right because uh, you know we're, we're all going wow you know we we, we really want to help our young people to uh you know hear from god and, and read scripture on their own uh you know we know evangelism is important so so we've got to be doing that and you know we we want to in, be engaging with the key key cultural issues we we want to uh, we want to fight for racial justice and we know we, we need to be having conversations around gender and you know th- there's you know countless unending things that uh, pastors leaders youth workers feel like we must be engaging with and so what we're, what we're not saying here with that disconnect is well drop everything um, and uh, just focus on you know the planet and um the climate crisis and and that's not what we're saying and so my question therefore is if only one in ten young people feel like we as the church are are doing enough what does doing enough look like for them yeah that's brilliant and tim really wants to echo um not wanting to burden youth leaders and neither wanting to be negative about the church the church yes. bride, we love the bride. Um, the, you know, the Bible talks about the bride and she is clothed in righteousness. And part of being clothed in righteousness is we do take action in things that are affecting the world. So also wanted to say that there are some churches doing amazing things. Mm. So whether they are supporting their young people to become green eco-churches or even really simple things like changing the electricity of their church. Um, People are doing amazing things. And I think um, to pick up on your point about not not, not having time necessarily to do everything, I think there's something in the intersectionality of so many of these conversations. Right. The, 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 one of the consequences of the climate change is that it disproportionately impacts people who are people of colour. And it disproportionately impacts women. And so when we're talking mm. to our young people about race or we're talking to them about gender, climate, the climate crisis is woven into that story as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's, a, there's a, I guess, an unburdening I'd like to do about the climate conversation that says you have to add something to your list. But is a how do we have holistic conversations about the issues facing our young people that help us understand the global perspective of these conversations? Um, but young people gave us in the um, research some really, I think, really helpful. Please don't hear this as a to-do list, but some helpful ideas. Yeah. So they've asked us to listen to them, mm. to acknowledge the issue and acknowledge it publicly. I thought that was really interesting. So they're not asking for churches just in our small groups to say, oh yes, it's a problem. They're asking the church to go big and say, we the church see this as a problem. We want to be part of creating a better way. Mm. Oh, that sounds a little bit like raising the name of Jesus in the nation. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Um, And the thing that they've asked for a lot is 
please teach about this on Sundays. Please support us when we have ideas. And here's the one that, oh, it's the hardest one, right? Create a culture where responding to climate change is central to what the church does, not as an added thing, but within everything else. So what I'm hearing from these young people is this is no longer just about switching from plastic cups. This is about cup culture and it's about public followership of Jesus in this area. It's different in this generation. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by by um, public followership of Jesus in this area? Um, unpack that a little bit more for me, because I think that's really interesting. Yeah. So what um, what we heard a lot was um, young people desperate for the church to be recognised in the world for being public about this. I think for young people as right. Christians, the church is known for what we're against. A yeah. Lot. And they are having conversations in school that are hard to navigate. Mm -hmm about things that the church say they're against. Mm. And it's almost as if young people are going, there is something here that the church can be for, where I can walk into my school and they know that because I'm a Christian, I'm for something that is meaningful, that's important, that also connects with them. And we can have a conversation about faith that isn't frightening and isn't com uh, potentially conflicting. Yeah. That's so good. That's so, that's so stirring. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're a Christian. That, that must mean that you really care about the earth and about climate. If, if, if right. only, you know, that was the connection that, that people made. Um, yeah. I, that's so stirring. So, so let me ask you this. Then. Do you think there is a, there is a means by which this conversation can play a part in evangelism? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, when we asked the question, um, how many, uh, do you have friends that care also about the climate crisis? And 98% of them said yes. 98%. Yeah. That's pretty high, right? Very and high, so, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I just, I don't know if we are equipping our young people to think about mission in a way that actually is such an easy starting point for a conversation about faith that is... You think something, I think something. Let me tell you why I am motivated about this. Let me tell you about the person who made this thing you're really care you really care about called the planet. Mm. Let me help you understand that when we care about the planet, when we care for creation, perhaps that's because the image of God is in you. And the reason the image of God is in you is because he made you, mm. he loves you, he's desperate to get to know you, Here's a really good way to get to know him. Call him Lord of your life, you know? And I think there's something in, are we teaching our young people to take what they know biblically of Psalm 24 and be able to communicate that to their friends in an invitational manner? Yeah, so I think I'm I'm beginning to join the dots. <laughs> no pun intended. I'm beginning I'm beginning to join the, the, the dots here because, you know, we're hearing young people say, well, we we want you to to speak into this we want you to help help us to engage with this we want you to teach about it publicly mm -hmm. you know in the context of our church gatherings in the context of our youth ministries and as we do that what we're actually doing is we're equipping them to have faith conversations yeah. in their in their schools with their friends and so you can see how that all begins to all begins to all the pieces of this begin begin to to hold together in that way. Um, I, I, I want to ask you about this because 
you said it right at the start and I think it's right you know when we engage with conversations or we kind of you know we 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 watch the the documentaries you know about the climate crisis it can feel like really overwhelming it can feel like well what what can I do you know and there's a lot to be concerned about when we wade into this topic when we read the research that you've done there's a lot to feel concerned about but I think one of the things that we can really be encouraged by is that we do have a generation here who are deeply concerned about justice issues and who are passionate about and able to make a difference uh, in our in our world and these are kingdom of god issues that we're seeing young people on the forefront uh, of engaging with you know whether it's um you know whether it's the march for our lives stuff in the states and it's about gun prevention you know gun control measures whether it's uh, black lives matter and it's about racial justice whether whether it's the climate crisis you know these are kingdom of god gospel uh, issues. These are good news issues, whether young people would frame them in that way or not. And I think we can be encouraged by that and we can be moved and we can be stirred by that. I like, yeah, you, you've, you've touched on it already, but one of the stats I, I, I loved from the reading through the research was that 88% of the young people who were surveyed said that their faith teaches them to care about injustice and we say, you know, I found that really encouraging because we say yes and amen because mm-hmm. you can't read scripture uh, and not um, and not come away from that understanding that God is a God of justice and calls His people to be a people of justice, right? So here's after that. Um, after I've just gone on for far too long, there, my question, <laughs> <laughs> my question is, <laughs> uh, how do we help young people? with the passion that they have to be the change that they are wanting to see. And yes, I, I, I hear that you said one of the things that came out of the research is that young people said, you know, we want you to lead. We want you to take a lead, but also we want, we also want young people to understand that when they say, Oh, the church isn't doing enough, that they're not disconnected from that, that the church isn't something that exists outside of them, that they are the church. Uh, uh, along with every other believer that they they are the church and so how then do we create platforms for them how do we create platforms for our young people to champion this cause uh within within a church context yeah i think that you've said so much there that's brilliant and i think the I think you're so right to help us have that conversation that says to young people, if you don't think your church is doing enough, please recognize that you are part of the church. That's right. Um, And so sometimes the Lord asks us, no matter what our age, to help guide our brothers and sisters and support. So I think there's definitely something in helping young people not just take their climate activism to school where it's easier, but to double down and have the conversations in church. Mm. Um, I think in terms of how we help, I think there's a few things. So one is, and this is for us as youth workers, is um, be on the journey ourselves. This is not an issue where as youth workers, we are going to know the answers. Yeah. And we're going to, or potentially even know more than our young people about this. <laughs> um, but what young people are definitely asking for is, 
is actually not for us to know the answers and not for us to be the greenest person on the planet and do everything right, but is to be on the journey, learn with and mm. from our young people. Um, and then I think find ways to say yes, find ways to help to ha- help them have their ideas. But young people, some young people having ideas comes really easily. They are confident. Maybe they've been, in, they've grown up in church. They have the confidence to bring an idea. Some young people don't have that same confidence. So how do we foster spaces of ideation among our youth groups, in our sessions, in our Bible study guides? And then for us as youth workers, how do we move everything out of the way so that our yes is yes to their idea? And so a lot of times that is us as youth workers doing upward management (laughs) of leaders and saying the youth group are going to do this. It's brilliant. Let's absolutely get behind them. Yeah. Um, but my, I don't know, I think, I'm just going to be really honest, Tim. I think sometimes when we're talking about issues of justice, we can do it in a session and go, great, we've done it. Phew! Yeah, it's yeah, okay. yeah. We've talked yeah. about it. But I think that just plays into the idea that the, the conversation about climate is just a trend or it's a fad. Yeah. But if we pick, as youth workers, some really small strategic incremental actions and commit, we can incorporate into a plan. It can be, become part of our discipleship. And whether it is that the young people, you know, when we're back properly, they wash the mugs and they make a petition for the church to have green electricity. They take a service and talk about the connection between faith and climate. Whatever it is that they might be, don't let it be by accident. Let it be on purpose. Yeah, it, it's it's really good. I'm just thinking about, um, yeah, it, from what you said there, you, you're talking about being informed, mm-hmm. being an example, um, having this as something that isn't just a session, but but part of our lives, but also learning from and create mm-hmm. and, and and you know creating. Uh, pathways for for young people to be able to engage with this stuff and have a voice mm-hmm. to to the wider church. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, how one of the things I talk to young people a lot about and feel really really passionate about is is kind of digital addiction and how mm-hmm. um, how we how we manage our digital world and and social media in particular because you know you can't be a youth worker and not see the impact that the kind of constant connection and stimulation um, that comes from the the weapon in our pockets <laughs> has had on a generation, right? So I feel, you know, uh, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox and, and start <laughs> preaching about it, which I could, but because that's something I'm passionate about, I've done the study, so I understand the impact you know, I've, 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 I've read, I've read on it. I've, uh, I've engaged with the studies and, and the surveys and, and the science. So I've kind of informed myself about how it's impacting young people. Yeah. But then I've also, I, I also take this stuff really seriously in my own life. So, you know, I don't need to go into detail here, but I've built in loads of boundaries and rhythms around my digital consumption, mm-hmm. which means that when I'm talking to young people, I'm not telling them to do something that I'm not willing to do myself, right? Yeah. 
Um, and it also means that when I'm helping them, I'm able to do so from a place of, you know, integrity and, and, and personal ex- experience. Um, and, and I think as I hear you saying, that's what you're saying with regards to the climate crisis. Cause I can't do that in the same way with the climate crisis. I know a little, but not a lot, you know, I'm not as well informed as I could be. And sure I recycle, um, and you know, I limit the amount of meat I eat, for example, but not, not much more than that really. Um, and you know, so can I say, well, can I really say with integrity to the young people, well, here's what I understand of that. And, and here's how, not in this session, but in my day-to-day life, I'm engaging with the climate crisis. And I know that you would be able to do that. You'd be able to talk about, you'd be able, you, you, you've done your research, you've, you've examined the science, you, you've done your reading. So you're able to speak about it intelligently, but also you model it in your own life, in the life of your family. You've made decisions about how you will and won't live, what you will and will not consume because of the impact that you have upon the climate. And what, what I'm hearing you say is it's that it's, it's, this isn't, this isn't, well, let's do a a justice series or let's do a session about uh, climate crisis, or let's interview a young person on a Sunday morning to talk about this stuff, all of which has value. But the challenge I'm hearing from you, Dot, is that it has to go deeper than that. And it has to be, you know, it's not a, this, this is too serious um, to be a tick box exercise. It has to impact the way we live day, day by yes. day. Yes. And I, I think um, one of the big moments for me in talking about this as a youth worker is knowing that we will never feel qualified enough yeah. Yeah. to talk about this. But aren't there so many things that we never feel qualified enough? Mm. Because just like our young people, we are in the process of being discipled. And I think being honest about that is more important than running a session and hoping they they think we've got it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think one of the things with um, talking about justice and talking about environment is that it is a discipleship practice that can be implemented in ordinary life. Yeah, that's it. That makes that makes Jesus real and turns Jesus from a person in the sky with a beard to a part of my everyday life. So mm. when I choose to sign a petition to government to hold them account to their actions, I'm sat with Jesus typing my name into the thing, you know? When I choose to not buy a certain thing because it doesn't treat people well. I'm walking alongside Jesus as I do it. And I think if we could talk to our young people about that, about inviting Jesus into our everyday lives, that Romans 12, take your everyday ordinary lives and present it before God as an offering. Yeah. We make faith tangible. We make Jesus real. We also make him pretty exciting because, you know, when you speak to governments and they change things, it's pretty impressive, right? That's the Lord on the move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think the thing I hear from young people a lot is it's overwhelming. Yeah. And what can my two pence do? Like the list we mentioned earlier of thinking about our, uh, what we eat, what we wear and 
Can I share a quote that I love? <laughs> please, please do, yeah. Um, I mean, probably lots of people have heard it before, but it's Margaret Mead, and she says this, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And as Christians, how much do we know that to be true? The whole movement of the church started with a handful of yep. teenagers who said, I will live unreservedly, wholeheartedly, every fibre of my being for Jesus and for the church. Come on. And Come on. part of us speaking about climate, speaking about environment to our young people is saying that was not just for them and for that group of teenagers. This is for us. And when we look at the world and it's the, the significant amount of change required, don't think small about your impact. Mm. We have a mighty God who can do more than we ask or imagine. Yeah. So I think I oh. love people to dream. <laughs> Amen. In a minute, somebody's going to get a keyboard out, start playing some pads. <laughs> We're going to, ah, we need people are going to come down the front, start putting their hands in the air. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that's so stirring and uh, super, super inspiring. Let's just finish this conversation, Dot, by anchoring this in with some really practical takeaways, okay? Mm -hmm. So, like we said, big, massive issue to engage with. But I want to ask you this. If you could encourage a youth leader to take just one first step, and I'm actually going to ask you this in two ways. Mm -hmm. If you could encourage a youth leader to take one first step in their own life, a, a, a rhythm a, to change, a, a practice to adopt in their own life, what would it be? And, and, and if you could in, encourage a leader to take one first step in engaging with their young people around climate change, what would that be? Oh, I love that in two parts. Um, so for us as youth workers, the thing that I would really encourage us in our, if this is our very first step, is, oh, it's two things. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? But they're connected. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 1A and 1B. Yeah, thank you, yes. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> um, is to find ways to be informed and pray. Great. What happens when we're informed is our prayers become more um, well informed. Um, but when we, <laughs> <laughs> when we pray, we allow God to mold our hearts. Yeah. And climate change it is a science issue, but it's also a faith issue, and we need our hearts to feel how Jesus feels about it. So that would be my uh, my thing for leaders: be informed. Pray, follow news websites to be informed, follow um, justice charities that you trust um, and be informed and pray. And then with our groups, um, find a way to have that start, just start the conversation really freely, openly. There are resources you could use. There are some in tier funds, some in Youthscape you can use. Um, but start the conversation and out of that conversation, make a plan. <laughs> yeah that's great tell us can you tell tell us about those those resources those mm -hmm. session plans and where we can find them yep so if you go to the youthscape website you can um order a copy of something called green shuffle which is a card game so if your group is brand new to thinking about issues of climate change they have some great actions and takeaways and prayers and ideas for what you can do with your group um, if you're looking for something that's a bit more like a bible study and activities and some prayer points and 
obviously actions incorporated in there, then go to wearetearfund.org forward slash burning down the house and you can download them there. Great. And and is that also the place where we can, because I, 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 you know, know that we've only really scratched the surface of the research in our conversation. Dot. Is that also the place where we can download the full research? It's free, isn't it? And we can download it, it and, and it's a compelling read. Research. Yeah. So the research is there. There's also um, for us as youth workers, there's podcasts um, that will help us be a bit more informed. And for young people, a YouTube channel that talks about this a bit more. Brilliant, brilliant. So give us that web address one more time, Dot. It's wearetearfund.org forward slash burning down the house. Fantastic. And we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Well, Dot, thank you so much. This has been such a, a compelling and helpful and, and stimulating conversation. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for uh, giving us some practical takeaways. And uh, to all of you guys listening, thank you uh, for all that you're doing uh, to serve young people where where you are. We know that there are, as we've said, there are so many things, so many uh, issues, uh, so many uh, topics that you're looking to engage in your young people with as you go on the discipleship journey uh, with them. And we know that your heart is for them and it's for Jesus and it's for the world. And, and, and we just want to say thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your effort. We, we hope and pray that, that this conversation and and the resources that you'll go find uh, will really help you engage with it well. But guys, you know, don't give up. You're doing something that's so important, investing in the lives of, of, of the next generation. You're, you are spiritual mums. You are spiritual dads. Maybe some of you are spiritual grandparents. <laughs> and uh, it's so valuable and so valued. So valid. So keep going. Keep going. Uh, don't give up. What you are doing is so, so important. And we will look forward uh, to seeing you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.